Well, good morning, church. How is everybody this morning? Don't be quiet. Please don't be quiet. Good to see you. Thanks for coming out. Um, as, you, as you probably know, we have, we have six kids. Uh, is that right, Patty? One, two, three, four. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Six. You got six kids, and, uh, and they're all different. They're all different. They all have their own personalities. It's interesting, even though Patty and I uh, had a had a hand at making all of them and raising all of them. They all have their own unique personalities and quirks and strengths and, and all that sort of stuff. And our, our son David, he always likes to just play jokes on us. And he takes advantage sometimes of the fact that I don't have the world's greatest technology skills. I mean, for, for a 47-year-old guy, I, I'm fairly techy, but, but there's some, some stuff that he does to me from time to time because he, do, he knows I don't know how to undo it. Like for about five years on my Gmail account, the little picture at the top of your Gmail account wasn't of my face. It wasn't of my beautiful wife or my beautiful kids. It was of my foot. It, it was, that was, and for the longest time, I didn't know if I was sending people emails, if they were getting that at the top of, of my email or not. I just didn't know if it was there. And then we use, uh, we use some church management software. Many of you all are, are on that because you volunteer here. But uh, it's called Planning Center. And uh, this is my Planning Center profile picture. I don't know how well it will come across on the screen, but I have a mullet uh, wig on there. It's, uh, it's cool. And I told you the story before about the time he changed my ringtone to a rap song on the morning that I had a very important meeting with an accountant. And I didn't know it. I went into the accountant's office, older guy, you know, starched shirt on, uh, you know, uh, really dressed nice, tie, the whole thing. And it's very business-like. We're not buddies. This is a business relationship. And, and I had a bunch of, you know, receipts and a folder and all this stuff. So I kind of put my phone away from me a little bit over on the next chair. And as we're sitting there and he's looking over and he's just being very stern. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, what about this and what about that? All of a sudden, this rap song comes on, this crazy rap song and of course I don't know it's my phone and so I'm sitting there looking at the guy and I'm thinking that is a funny ringtone for an old white accountant and he looks up from the folder and he's probably thinking that's a funny ringtone for an old white pastor and then I realized it was my phone so I shut that off and then our Facebook account, for the longest time, even though Patty and I have been married for 30 years and we share a Facebook account, the, the marital status said it's complicated. <laughs> and I'm sure people thought, wow, what's going on with the pastor? We need to be praying for the pastor and his wife. But come on, the married folks would say, marriage is complicated, right? So I want to talk to you this morning about a complicated relationship in all of our lives. Somebody say, it's complicated. Come on, if you're on Facebook this morning or YouTube, uh, just type in the chat. Say, it's complicated. If you don't know how to spell it, ask your kids. It's complicated. What's complicated? Well, Pastor James is going to tell us. James chapter 4 is where we're going to be in our study today. Let's go to there together. James 4 in verse 1. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? It's not necessarily talking about your church members, but in, you, in your body, in your heart, in your mind. 
in your spirit. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And then verse 3 says, but when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask amiss. Your ask is, is wrong. What's wrong with the ask, James? That you may spend it on your pleasures. He's saying your, your motives are wrong. Verse 4, and then, and then he says something to his church that, that just every, every church member would love to hear their pastor say to them. Uh, he doesn't re- refer to them as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Uh, he, he, he doesn't say you're, you're loved and highly favored and you're blessed. He says this. Adulterers and adulteresses. It's quite a greeting from your pastor, isn't it? Like, hey, Pastor James, you could have started with hello. (laughs) Right? But he doesn't. He jumps right into it. He says, adulterers and adulteresses. He's not leaving anyone out. The men and the women. He said, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. James, what does that mean, enmity? Well, he explains himself. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The complicated relationship that we want to talk about this morning is the relationship that you and I have with the world. James says, if we want to have a friendship with the world, then we make ourselves an enemy of God. So what in the world is he talking about? Let's start by defining this term, the world. When we say the world, we're not referring to the planet we live on. We're not talking about the people we live with. When the Bible talks about the world, it's referring to the cosmos or the world system. And Jesus himself said those systems are actually influenced by Satan. Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. It is a system that attempts to do life without God. It is a a world system that thinks we can govern the nation without God. It's a system that thinks we can educate our children without God. It's a system that thinks we can, uh, you know, handle our money without God. It's a system that thinks we can legislate morality without God. You and I now find ourselves living in a post-Christian nation that is becoming more and more secular, rejecting the influence of God in the public domain. But all we have to do is take about three seconds and say, how is that working for us? I don't care if you're liberal, conservative, black, white, male, or female. If you have any discernment at all, the answer is, we're not doing very well. Not at all. When, when, when FBI agents are killed this week because they are cracking down on a huge child porn operation, when we're doing that to our kids, we're not doing very well. Can someone say amen this morning? Okay? Now, Pastor James warns the early church about not becoming friends with the world, but, but this is not only a warning to them 2,000 years ago, it's a warning to us. 
If we're not careful, we will adopt the ways of the world and we will end up allowing the world to define our values. You know, the world system right now has so much access and so much influence in our lives that it's actually very, very difficult not to be discipled by it. The world attempts to disciple us through what I'm going to call this morning voices of influence. And I I, I took the time. I want you to know I take my messages seriously. And I I took the time and I thought if I could design a graphic, if I could draw something out and design a graphic to help help our church visualize these voices of influence in in our lives, I'm going to do that. And so I sat down and and I, I, I used my best skills and I put this together. If you guys want to take a look at that. Uh, our staff wasn't impressed, so Brandon Hutzel said, Pastor, he's very respectful about it. He says, Pastor, he said, would you mind if I took that and maybe just tweaked it a little? And I said, okay, Brandon, go ahead. And, and that's, what, that's what he came up with. You got to stay in your giftings, folks. You got to stay in your giftings. I had the vision, but he had the gift, all right? Voices of influence. I want you to see. Today we're going to cover seven of them. The first five, they're bent. Their default position is to tug at us and to pull us away from the cross. The last two in this list of seven, their default bent needs to be with all intentionality to bring us back toward the cross of Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about them one by one. Number one is government. Government was created by God to serve its people. Sometimes that happens, and when it does, that's awesome. However, in a secular culture where we are pushing God out of the public arena, what happens is the government often becomes a lousy replacement for God himself. Now, of course, there are godly people working in our government. Some of them are in this room this morning. They're trying to make a difference. But the danger is, is that things like pride and power and greed often end up taking over governments and history is not really on the side of government. Because if you study history, you'll see the default position is is that governments often, instead of being servants of their citizens, often become oppressors of their citizens. Just read a history book, you'll see it. There's a system at work. According to the Center for Responsive Politics, Former President Trump raised $596 million for his re-election campaign. That's a lot of cash, isn't it? It's a lot of cash. But not compared to President Biden. His campaign raised $1 billion. Estimates are between the candidates and their parties and their super PACs, over $6 billion was spent on a job that pays $400,000 a year. Friends, there's a system at work. It's a powerful voice of influence in our lives, and it's probably in our lifetime never been more evident than our response to COVID and how much power we've seen that officials have and we don't. (laughs) There's a system at work. Number two is business on our list. Well, I've got a number two. They've got a number three, but that's okay. 
I told you, my drawing was superb. should have stuck with it. Something interesting when it comes to business. When I was a kid, I don't know if it was the same when, when you were a kid, but when I was a kid, business was very careful to stay neutral on hot-button issues, on controversial issues. Because they didn't want to get themselves in trouble with anyone who, you know, wanted to buy their product. And so business was just, they just kind of be just right down the middle on everything, stay away from, you know, a lot of controversy. And they just, they're just interested in selling their product and making their profits. But over the past few decades, there's been a growing trend in the business community to have a mission that goes beyond their product. And, and now that's, that's cool. That's the, I mean, we, we admire businesses who, who have a mission. It, it, it's viewed as being noble. Um, and businesses now, in, instead of trying to stay neutral, they actually, actually lead with their agenda. Their agenda has become just as important as their product. So all day long, as those businesses are sending notifications to our phone, as advertisements are popping up everywhere, do you know they're not just selling their product, they are selling their world view. The business world has become a voice of influence in our discipleship. What we think, how we feel, what we believe, how we see the world is now influenced by the products that we buy. Let's talk about this one. Let's talk about the voice of media. And we'll kind of group together the news and social media. Okay, we'll kind of put them together. One of the greatest discipling tools the world system has right now is the media. The overwhelming majority of news that you and I get is funneled through six companies owned by a very few very wealthy people. So what does that result in? A very few people on this planet decide what news you and I see. So again, when the notification comes on your phone, when the breaking news banner comes across your TV, a very few people in the world have decided what you will hear, what you will see, how you will think about it, how you will perceive it, how you will feel about it. When you Google something, a very few number of people have decided what the results will be. Pastor, you sound like a conspiracy theorist. It's, you can look it up. This is true. 90% of the news you and I are getting are decided by six companies. Just six. What are they doing? They are discipling us. They're not just sharing a headline. They're sharing their worldview about that headline. And we are now at a place, if you disagree with their worldview, they will shut you down. This week, focus on the family. One of the most trusted, best reputation Christian ministries, I mean, for decades. Focus on the family has been a, a, a force for good 
in this world. This week, their Twitter account was suspended because they disagreed with the worldview of the few and the powerful. Let's talk about education. Education is a voice of influence. Our educational system has a tremendous amount of influence over our children. I've often told you one of the most influential people in my life was Sister Mary Stephen, Catholic nun who was the, the, the principal of our school. What a great lady she was. We've got some great teachers in our church and our community, and I'm thankful we have them. Can you say amen? Many of them take their role very seriously and many of them try their very best to bring godly principles and the love of God into that school system. However, many of them are also very frustrated by that system because they know there are people that develop and choose curriculum that often have a worldview that is contrary even to their own, contrary to Scripture. And then as our kids get into higher education, it's commonplace for a biblical worldview to be made fun of, to be openly mocked, and many kids lose their faith once they get to college. Friends, I, I, we're, we're probably not going to change the colleges, but we do need to do a better job of preparing our kids for the world that they're growing up in. And I'm praying for God to open up some Christian education options in our region. We need them. Let's talk about entertainment for a minute. The entertainment we choose is another way that we're often discipled by a world system. TV, music, movies, art, YouTube, TikTok. All those things have a voice. And their voices are powerful. They impact the way we think and the way we feel about some of the most important issues in life. They aren't just entertaining us. They are shaping our values. So here we are as followers of Jesus, but we're living and working and being educated and being entertained by a world system that is often hostile to him. That's why it's a complicated relationship. If you don't recognize how much the world system is discipling us, let's, let's reflect on a few things this morning. I could pull out any number of hot-button issues, the headlines of the day, but I'm just going to pick this one, okay? Let's, let's think about immigration for a minute, okay? Uh, we know we, we kind of had one policy on immigration, and we built a lot of a wall and a fence and all that, and now some of that's being changed, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure you have an opinion on it. Everyone does. And, and most of our opinions are very, very strong. But just let me ask you this. When we talk about immigration, how was your opinion formed? Like, like if we had our Bibles this, this morning, could, could we just... Could we find three scriptures that talk about immigration? As a Christian, if you don't know what the Bible says on the topic, then how did you form your opinion? Is that a fair question? If you don't know what scripture says, you don't know what God says, how did you form your opinion? The answer is someone else formed it for you. Media, education, an actor, 
a late night TV host, a talk radio personality. Again, we could name any hot button issue, the divisive issues of our day, gender issues, marriage and gay marriage, human sexuality, race issues, social justice, abortion, etc. We all have very strong opinions on these things. But as your pastor, I'm just I'm asking you to give some thought this morning. How did you form your opinion on these things? Like, can you cite three scriptures about marriage? Can if you open up your Bible, can you find three scriptures, that's all I'm asking for, about sexuality and, and the way we ought to treat that? Can you find three on abortion? If you have an opinion, but you don't know what God says about it, where'd you get your opinion? I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. I really, I truly am not. I, I am trying to make a point. If you're a Jesus follower, who is discipling you? Who is forming your worldview? I recently had a conversation with a teenage young man who most likely, likely would identify himself as a Christian. And he told me, not just him, many people said it, but he told me that unborn babies are blobs of tissue, so abortion is fine. Here's what I want to know. Here's what I'm asking. Who told him that? Who, who discipled him into believing that? I'm not mad at him. I'm not upset with him. But I am concerned with him because someone who does not know the word of God or science, for that matter is discipling the worldview of this young man. The world system is deciding what he believes about something so precious as the life of a baby. And he would say he's a Jesus follower. In our text this morning, Pastor James is saying, Church, You've developed a friendship with the world, and it's impacting the way you think. It's impacting the way you feel. It's impacting the way you treat one another. Do you not know that being a friend of the world puts you in opposition to God? Now, Pastor James is not the only one who warned us about this. The Apostle Paul wrote about the world system quite a bit. The Apostle Peter wrote about it, and no one taught about the world system more than Jesus himself. And this is what Jesus said in John 15. It says, if the, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus Christ, the one we're here this morning worshiping, said... If you are truly going to follow me, it's not going to make you popular. In fact, it's going to make you hated. Those are some strong words, right? But we know that Jesus only speaks truth. And he says the value system of this world is going to be so different than the value system of the church that we are going to be hated for what we believe. That's hard. Because we all want to be liked. We all want to be loved. We all want to be popular. We all want to be accepted. So it's hard. Those are hard words from Jesus. It's hard for me. 
But again, it's his words. So let's think back to our voices of influence one more time. Government, education, entertainment, media, business. I'm not saying that these things or the people who work in these realms are evil. But the default position is is to tug us away from the cross. And as a Jesus follower, if you can listen to these voices on a regular basis and nothing you hear rubs you the wrong way, you may not actually be following Jesus. Like if you listen to the news and, and, and you go, wow, yeah, all that makes perfect sense. That's totally correct. You might want to dig a little deeper. Now again, there's some crazy conspiracy theories out there. And Christians need to stop spreading craziness. Like if you haven't looked into something, don't post it. Like I see people all the time say, well, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just going to share. What? (laughs) Followers of Jesus are supposed to be spreaders of truth. (laughs) So don't just share all the crazy. Listen, there's enough true crazy things going on in this world, we don't need to make anything else up. <laughs> but we're actually doing the work of the enemy when we, we spread things that we have no idea whether they're true or not. I've seen a lot of Christians be gullible and fall into that stuff and just, just spreading all sorts of craziness. Again, there's craziness in the world. <laughs> I'm telling you this morning, what the Bible says Don't believe every spirit. Don't believe everything you hear. Test the spirits. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Okay? But we don't need to jump on every bandwagon that spreads some kind of scheme out there either. If you don't know about something, just stay away from it. So if you can listen to the news, you just believe everything. Who's discipling you? Or if you can turn on a TV show that promotes immorality and mocks your God and uses the name of your Lord in vain 10 times in 10 minutes and you go, wow, I love this show. This show is awesome. And that host, he's so handsome and funny. Like if that doesn't hit you, when I hear someone use the name of Jesus in a dishonoring, disrespectful way, it, it physically hurts me. I get like a sick feeling in my spirit. But if you can just sit and laugh at that stuff, and that's so funny. Oh, man, I can't wait till next week. Who's discipling you? If you share every hashtag of your favorite celebrity on Instagram, because they told you to, without first looking at that topic through the lens of Scripture, brother, thank you. But I'm going to be a little while. All right? You can stay right there, but don't play yet. I ain't done. Uh, nothing. Thank you. That's your, that's your job. Thank you. But I'm, I'm just going to be a little while. But every time a new hot button issue comes up, a new movement, a new whatever, just, just before you jump on the bandwagon, dig a little deeper. Get your Bible out and say, wait a minute. What does, what does the word of God, I mean, just because it sounds like Jesus would say it or be behind it or support it, what does the word of God actually 
say about it? Or the organization who's behind the hashtag, what do they actually stand for? Oh, wait, I did some research and I found out that organization is anti-Christ. <laughs> I ain't sharing that hashtag. Got to dig a little deeper. You see, either if we're just living and we're going with the flow, just, just going with the flow. And, and nothing we believe or think or feel pushes back against the current of the world. Either Jesus is a liar or we have conformed. We need some good news. So far we've talked about numerous voices of influence this morning. But there are two more we have not talked about yet. And they, they are church and family. These two voices of influence are intended by God to be the main sources of discipleship in our lives. Church and family. Let's talk about church for a minute. For those of you who make Crossroads your home, here's my promise to you. Whether it's me speaking or anyone else, but this, this is my practice. I do my best to seek God over everything we teach here. Everything. I stand before you in fear and trembling, knowing I'm accountable to God for everything I say from this pulpit. James tells me that. James 3 and verse 1 says that church leaders will receive a stricter judgment. That verse scares me. So everything I say to you, I labor over it before I say it. I write my sermons. They're not just notes. They're not just bullet points. There are 10 pages. This is a manuscript. The reason I do that is not because I, I forget what I'm going to say. The reason I do that is because I'm praying over every word that I say to you. I write my sermons after doing a lot of research. I edit them and I edit them again. I often submit them to an older, wiser pastor before I preach them. And I say, okay, you give me your honest critique. Am I staying biblically accurate in what I'm going to say to our church on Sunday? And sometimes he says, Dave, I think maybe, I think you're getting off track, or I think you're getting off, or have you thought about this? It gives me pushback. I welcome that. I do another edit early Sunday morning, and this is what I'm doing as I'm reading through this. I'm saying, Lord... If I'm putting something in here that misrepresents your character, show me and I'll change it or I'll delete it. Now, I know I'm not perfect. You know I'm not perfect. I didn't even have to tell you that. Sometimes I miss it. Okay? But I can tell you that I don't come to this pulpit of something I threw together on Sunday morning. It is prayed over. It is thought about. It is studied. It is researched. And, and I'm asking God to speak to us every week. Now, because of our media outreaches, people are watching this morning on YouTube and on Facebook. I know I'm not only speaking to our church, so I want to talk for just a minute to folks who attend other churches. My advice to you is when choosing a church, choose one that holds scripture in the highest regard. Many churches no longer consider the Bible to be the word of God. That, that's happening. All over America. 
If your pastor or your priest or your elders or whoever preaches and teaches at your church, if they don't preach and teach from the Bible where you could follow along and see it's in the Bible, find another church. And some people say, well, pastor, how do I do that? Look for the exit sign (laughs) and leave. Also, if your church sounds just like the culture of the world, nothing you hear is ever pushed back on the culture of the world, you might want to start looking for a new church. If your pastor never preaches a hard message that makes you squirm and feel uncomfortable, look for the exit sign and start looking for another church. Now, let me talk to our church who's not here this morning. Every follower of Jesus needs to be in a Bible-teaching church. I know that COVID has made this really, really difficult. But as we see progress on the virus, as the vaccine's out and the numbers go down and, and all of that, I urge you, I'm sharing my heart with you this morning, it is vitally important that you get back to church. I'm thankful for online church, but it is not the same. Okay? So please don't hear what I'm not saying. If you have health concerns, you're high risk, you're taking care of a family member who's high risk, I get it. We all get it, okay? We believe that you're going to make the best decision for you and your family. And if that's Being at home right now, participating online, you do that. You don't feel guilty about that. We're not laying a guilt trip on you at all. Can the church say amen? Amen. But here's what I know. I know there are a lot of people who aren't in church, not because of concerns of COVID. You've simply got out of the habit, and you're going everywhere else in town. Nothing else has been deleted from your life except gathering together with your church family, it's time to get your butt back in church. See what kind of emails we get from that? (laughs) All right, so church and family should be the primary sources of discipleship in our lives. Let's talk about family for just a minute. I know that virtual school has been a real challenge for lots of families, lots of teachers this year, and, and And hats off to you for all you've done to make that work for moms and dads and teachers and administrators. We don't criticize any of you. We we say hats off to you. We celebrate you. But as we see a return to the classroom, here's what I hope. I hope that this year will remind every parent that your family needs to be the primary place of teaching in your child's life. And when I say that, I'm not so much concerned about math and spelling. Those, those things are important. But what I'm talking about is on spiritual and moral issues, your family needs to be the primary place of teaching in your child's life. You have got to be having regular conversations with your kids about the issues of the day. Because if you don't disciple them in these hard things, somebody else will. See these five? They're going to disciple them. And there are more. These are just seven that I picked. There are definitely more voices of influence in our lives. And here I want to say this. We have a lot of new Christian families. If you don't know something scripturally, there's no shame in that. 
When I was, when I was talking about naming scriptures earlier, that was, that was, I'm not trying to shame you in that. I'm trying to make a point, though. And here's, here's what I want to say to you. If you're a parent who doesn't feel comfortable, where you say, Pastor, I have no idea what the Bible says about immigration. <laughs> well, that's fine. You can learn with your child. And if you need help, reach out to the church, and we will help equip you to make your home a place of discipleship. Now, let me tell you about one tool that we have. We've had it for quite a while, and we don't talk about it enough. But we have something called a Parent Q app. If your child is in Crossroads Kids Church, we use a nationwide curriculum. We pay money for it. It's a great curriculum. It's called Orange. Okay, it's the Orange Curriculum. They have a free app for your phone, and you can download this app, have it on your phone, and it will tell you what your child has learned today in our kids' church, and then all week long, it will give you talking points, different scriptures, different activities, all that sort of stuff that you can do with your child at home. It will even throw you up a, a, a notification that says, you know, before bedtime, uh, before you go to sleep, you might want to talk about this, you might want to talk about that. That's available for you right now. So again, if you're raising kids or grandkids, we encourage you, use this great, great tool to make a difference in their lives. All right, so... How do we handle this complicated relationship with the world? How how do we handle it? Because we live in the world. Many of us are employed by the world. We interact with the world every day. So how do the friends of God interact with a world system that is often contrary to him? Well, we're not called to be isolationists and cut ourselves off from the world. Can't do that. But we're also not conformists. We don't allow the world to disciple us. We are called to do something else, though. Here's our answer. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. It says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is an official representative sent to a foreign country to represent their home country. Listen, church, if you work in education and you're a follower of Jesus, then Jesus Christ has appointed you to be his ambassador to education. Show up every day. Work hard, serve well, and look for opportunities to share the truth and love of God in that realm. If you work in government or media or business or entertainment, Jesus Christ has appointed you to be his ambassador to government, his ambassador to business, his ambassador to media. You get the idea. You and I, we are called to be modern day Daniels. We do our job with a spirit of excellence. We don't cause drama in our workplace. Someone say amen. We serve well, we love our co-workers, we love our boss, we love our customers, but we're also going to work every day realizing we are there with a mission to bring the kingdom of God. What is that? That's God's ways of thinking, God's ways of doing things into that place. Jesus calls us out of the world. He changes our citizenship from this earthly kingdom. That's the world system. He gives us brand new citizenship in his heavenly kingdom but then he sends us back to the world to be his ambassadors. Friends, we're in a complicated relationship with the world. There is no doubt. But through our friendship with God, we can light up darkness. We can impact the world with truth and love. 
So even though there are many voices in this world system and they can be loud, now is not the time to be discouraged. Now is the time to awaken to our mission. Do you know that God decided that you and I would be alive in the year 2020? God decided that you and I would be living in this time of great darkness. We are to speak truth and light and love to this culture. We are here on purpose with a purpose to be the ambassador of Christ and we can do it through the power of His Holy Spirit. Can you say amen this morning? Great job. Give it up for Christian. He was right on. Right on. Stand. Let's pray today. Our Father, we're asking for your help. God, we recognize we, we are in a complicated relationship. We're we're moms and dads, we're grandparents, we're single folks, we're, and we're living in this world where they're just voices. And they're, they're not just speaking to us about the hot button issues of the day, but they're trying to define who we are. They're, they're trying to define our worth and our value. They're trying to shape our belief system. Lots and lots of voices in this world. God, I'm praying today by the power of your Holy Spirit for me and my family and our church that we will hold to the voice of truth. That we will hold to the words of Jesus, God. And you will show us how to be your ambassadors. People who are sent into this world, God, with a mission. Father, help us not, not to become like the, like the people of the world who fight and murder and covet and, 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 and lust and, and, and just are one people group against another people group and we just see all this mess in our world. God, we, we don't want to add to that. We want to be people who walk in your strength and in your character and in your love and, and God, we light up darkness everywhere that we go. Would you help us do that? Father, I want to take a minute and pray for our church. I know there are people here, people watching online, people listening on the radio, they're hurting. If that's you today, if you've got something going on in your life that you need to bring to the Lord, right now is the time to do it. He says, come boldly to the throne, and he calls it a throne of grace. God is sitting on a throne of grace today, and he invites each of us to come. If you've got something that's weighing heavy on your heart, just... Just lay it down at the throne of grace. If, if you need strength today, just approach the throne of grace. If you need healing or deliverance today or set free from a sin today, if you need to start over, if you need to be healed in your mind, if you need to know Jesus, He sits on a throne of grace and, and He would love more than anything that today you would start a brand new relationship with Him. He invites you into His family. Father, thank you for hearing and answering the prayers of your people. We give you thanks. We give you praise. And in Jesus' name, the church said, amen.